coming up on Pass the Secret Sauce. Challenge would be things like mismanaged expectations. You're coming into a niche that potentially can earn you all three paydays are worth like 75 grand to us each in our area. We're in the lowest scale. Our students are much higher. And so, so that's a big potential. So they think it's, I can do that tomorrow. No, it's I'm not going to say it's easy, but it's simple if you'll take the time to learn. And so mismanage expectations as to how quickly you can do a deal here. And then quitting if you don't get there that quick, right? Welcome to the show. I'm Matt Shields. On Pass the Secret Sauce, we unscramble the life stories, skills, and secrets from the most wicked smart minds and interesting people to uncover their experience and recipes for success that will help you get an edge on your own life. My goal is to help you rein in on the chaos that life throws at us by learning from other high achievers. If you're new to the show, we have episodes with founders, CEOs, investors, and leaders. So if you like to learn and are motivated to improve your life, then kick back and listen to our guests pass their secret sauce. Up next on Pass the Secret Sauce, we have Chris Prefontaine from Smart Real Estate Coach. Chris is honestly one of those types of guys that you sort of wish that you had met many years ago. He actually tells a story about how he had quite a bit of loss in the last downturn. He was a real estate investor and still is a real estate investor. But in the last downturn in 2008, 2009, he lost a lot of his assets. And what he realized from that is really what we focus in this entire episode on. They have completely restructured how they form their or, or how they structure the real estate investments. And I have to tell you, it's one of the most interesting ways that I have heard to acquire investment property in a long, long time. So they basically are using terms to acquire and manage assets that you know, may be on the market for you know, quite some time. So this works in any market. This works for investment property. This works for even your own personal residence. If you're looking to acquire a home or, or purchase a home for yourself, this is an opportunity that you can deploy to be able to get into that that property that you may not necessarily otherwise be able to to qualify for or be able to get into today. So I will leave it at that. This is a very, very interesting conversation. I learned a hell of a lot and am looking to deploy some of these techniques in our own real estate investing career. So I hope that you enjoy today's episode with Chris Prefontaine on Pass the Secret Sauce. So probably comical, but because I haven't been asked that, but I, I had three bro- I have two brothers. I was on the middle brother. So it was pretty much always mayhem, but I'll tell a funny connector there. So my wife and I met when we were like 12, 11 or 12. Oh, wow. Her, she grew up with two sisters. So her first dinner with us, she was pretty much horrified. <laughs> Other than that, a lot, of, a lot of family dinners. I mean, but that's just funny because our pace was crazy. We all played hockey and different things and it was just crazy. Yeah, that's great. That's great. And and were you the entrepreneurial kid growing up? Did you have things that you were trying to sell on the side or did the entrepreneurialism not hit you until a little bit later? No, I did. I Two things come to mind. One is I used to buy um, packs of gum in junior high and then take out and sell by the piece. That was fun. And then I would take out, clean my closet and throw it in a wagon and drag it up to the corner and sell it. I think back to this day, how comical it is that people would actually buy it. It was just junk. I was going to throw it out. <laughs> 
Uh, that's great. I don't know how old I was, but you know, I walked up. It was I was small. I like it. I like it. We actually just that uh, just moved and was going through the exact same process. Like, get rid of this, get rid of that. You know, get clean it all out. That's that's fantastic. Sell it. Exactly. Exactly. So, so Chris, obviously you're very involved in, in real estate. Can you talk a little bit about why you initially got involved in real estate? Well, that goes way back. I mean, I'm going to date myself, but I've been at this 29 and a half years. This fall will be 30 years. And when I grew up, my father didn't have real estate business, but he had a welding supply in industrial gas business that required brick and mortar buildings. Mm-hmm. And he would build them around New England. And then when he built it, he would lease it back from the company, would lease it back from him. Mm-hmm. And as a youngster, I, I, I did, couldn't fathom that. I said, what do you mean? You're the same person. Like, I remember asking that. What do you mean you lease it from you? I didn't get that. So once I understood that, and then he, he was always hanging out with people that flipped land and would take raw land and develop it and flip it, permit, you know, things like that. So I got the itch early because I was working with him as little as 10 years old, sweeping mm-hmm. floors. And so I was around that. And then I think my first deal was in 91, 1991. So that's just, that was just my foray into it. I was always intrigued by it, still am, because it's never, ever, ever the same deal. I mean, mm-hmm. even within the same niche, the deals are always different. So it always keeps my attention. That's great. That's great. And, and what was your first deal that you got into? Was it single family or rehab? Yeah, or- it actually was. I, back then, again, my father had some friends and then they had some younger friends that I ended up connecting with. We bought a, let me see, it was a split level home on a golf course that had the potential to have an extra lot. Mm-hmm. So we were able to subdivide the extra lot. I learned a lot during that process. And then on that extra lot, we built a duplex, but you can condo it there. So we sold off two sides. Mm-hmm. We actually had three deals out of one and then kept that split level for a while, several years, and just rented it to the guy who was already there when we bought it. So. Mm-hmm. Interesting process because I learned a lot, permitting towns, how fun that all can be. And that was the, my very first deal. We actually had a logger go in and, and log the land and get cash mm-hmm. from that. And that was new for me. So just a little lessons learned, you know? Yeah. sounds like you, you maximized the, the investment potential there. Without knowing it. I mean, I was yeah. too naive, but they, they taught me how to do it. So I said, okay, I'll do it. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's great. That's great. Talk a little bit about how you, you, you obviously started there, you grew that and, and kept on investing and, and growing and growing. What were some of the challenges that you ran into as you were you know, growing your investment portfolio? And, and also how big did you ultimately end up growing that portfolio to? Well, it pivoted because in real estate, things changed so rapidly. Like with COVID, things changed so rapidly, right? So I started off building homes way back then. And then in 95, bought a realty executives franchise. I had never been a realtor. So I put my broker hat on. I built that and then sold that to Coal Banker in 2000. And then in 2000, started really doing my own investments for the first time. And that ran it up, you know, at a bigger scale. And that ran it up to 2008, the lovely debacle, which I write mm-hmm. about in my book, because that was a crusher for a lot of people, including me. And so out of 08, we said, if we are to go back into real estate, what would we do? Like, what does it look like? And the rules were that we came up with after four years of pain from 08, mm-hmm. it was no banks, don't sign personally on loans because they're going to come looking for you when the market changes and they're going to come after your assets. That's just too risky. It was no borrowing from investors and it was no putting your own cash in. So we designed what we call the terms business now. And that was all because of all the pain we went through. That was in 2012-ish. And then we built it to be as recession resistant as we possibly could. Mm-hmm. And then who knew about COVID, right? So then COVID comes and we were tested and it didn't weather the storm and survive. 
and just thrive. Luckily, really? we're able to help so many people. Oh yeah, we're like triple the volume right now because look, the banks are making it next to impossible, right? They're raising the bar for buyers, which are hurting sellers mm-hmm. and they're in defense mode. So now everything we do is terms, meaning no banks, they're all coming this way. So that the amount of deals being done outside of banks has increased dramatically, which is what we do. And I'm not saying I knew because nobody knew. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying I knew it would work. I just knew I built it to be recession resistant, hopefully weathering all storms. And it did very well and is doing very well. That's incredible. So, so talk a little bit about what it means, your, your terms philosophy, investing with terms. How, how, how does that work or what, is, yeah. what does that mean? So terms means, even people in the business don't know what it means. It's a great question. It means for us, it means lease purchase. And I'll, I can explain that. And it means owner financing, those two basics. There's some other offshoots, but those are two basics. And on the owner financing, it doesn't, there's all kinds of niches within that. For us, owner financing means the seller is free and clear. They do not have a mortgage. Mm-hmm. So these people are not hurting. They're, they're in great shape. But they want all the money and can wait for it. So we structure them holding the mortgage, meaning there is no bank money coming to the table. We're buying it, no money down. But we're giving them their price. That's what makes it work. Mm-hmm. And we're making monthly principal payments. That's the kicker. So picture, you go get a loan tomorrow for a house. I'm assuming you owned or have owned in the mm-hmm. past. And you pay how much principal every month on that mortgage yeah, payment? A little bit, yeah. So we do principal only payments and that is a great recession hedge. And I will tell you that, uh, I'll give you a metric. If you do a home $200,000 or above anywhere in the country and you structure at least four year terms and you structure monthly principal payments of say $900 and up per mm-hmm. month, you have a six figure profit deal every single time. So those are very, very lucrative deals to seek out. Owner Interesting. That's really, really interesting. So, so I guess the kicker is, is that you would need to find people who don't have a balance on the mortgage. They, they paid that's it That's one of the methods. I mean, that's owner financing. The, the lease purchase is great because the lease purchase is great for a new investor because it's literally in our agreement is built in $10 deposits. And, yeah. And you don't take over title. Like it's the risk is, I'll never tell you it's risk-free, right? But your risk is pretty much as close to zero as you can get. Lease purchase goes like this. So uh, let's say, Matt, you have a house. Let's let's just paint a scenario because there's all kinds of scenarios. Your house is 300 grand. Mm-hmm. We agree that it's about 300. You couldn't sell on the open market for whatever reason. Maybe it's COVID. Maybe it's just functionality, whatever. But you owe 250 and you have 50 grand equity in your mind, but mm-hmm. you, it didn't sell and you don't need it tomorrow. You're not like going and buying something else. You might be relocating and renting or something. So I say, all right, Matt, look, I know it didn't sell, but I'll give you your 50 grand but I'll give it to you on the end of the term, on or before the end of the term. Let's use three years, 36 months. So at the end of the term, I say to you, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you a 50 and I'm going to pay off your loan. Your loan's not 250 anymore, right? It's lower mm-hmm. in three years. So I benefit from that. So every single deal we do, we actually create, the way we sell them, we create three different paydays. And in real estate, that's unique because you're used to, I flip or I build or I rehab and what do I get? One check. Yeah. yeah. Not three. So we create constant cash flow and long-term cash flow. That's fantastic. I've never, I've never heard of that, that approach before. What, what types of challenges have you seen people run into when, they, when they've tried to employ this uh, type of philosophy? Okay, there's deal challenges and then there's mental challenges, right? Why is it that we teach one, we teach like the standard foundational course, but some people do a deal in 45 days, literally, and some do it in 365. Why? I think it's the space between our ears. It's, it's making that transition from I can do a deal to now I get a, I'm a business owner. It's a whole different deal. So challenge would be things like 
mismanaged expectations. You're coming into a niche that potentially can earn you all three paydays are worth like 75 grand to us each in our area. We're in the lowest scale. Our students are much higher. And so, so that's a big potential. So they think it's, I can do that tomorrow. No, it's I'm not going to say it's easy, but it's simple if you'll take the time to learn it. So mismanage expectations as to how quickly you can do a deal here. And then quitting if you don't get there that quick, right? Which is crazy. So that's a challenge. The other challenge is just not following the system. You know, if I, if I go to a restaurant, I love the recipe and I skip every third ingredient, I'm, I'm going to get a crappy result. Well, it's the mm-hmm. same thing in our course. Like if you do it all, you'll have a great experience, period. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's, that's interesting. So how do you go about finding these opportunities that you, that you may be able to, to use terms on, or you may be able to, to you know, use your, your approach, your method? simple three things one is expired listings so these listings were on with relatives and they didn't sell yeah or sale by owner they tried on their own and they get frustrated most do and then uh, for rent by owner now which one of those you operate in more and fish in what pond more really depends upon the market so when the market's hot like right now with everybody like flocking to the market because the rates are low and they think covid's gonna get worse which it appears to be getting worse so there's a flood now, a buyer's coming in. Okay, so would a for sale by owner be anxious to sell to you? They're selling quickly now. Yeah. So we fish in the expired pond more or the for rent by owner because they're getting nervous because fall's coming and, you know, COVID's spiking. Yeah. So it just depends on what's going on in the market. If the market's kind of flat like it was for a bit, all three of those are great. You know, so it just depends on how much you put to what, what bucket, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And does it, does it really matter... If the condition of the property. I mean, if if say a say you have someone who has an, an inflated price, you know, for whatever reason they think that it's worth more than than others. Are there any types of parameters or anything like that that you would use to say you know no that one absolutely won't work or you know yes it would. Yeah. yeah this the term is the answer. Like I I care way less on price if that's their goal. If I can get my term. So example. We took a home in fall of 14, 2014, rough numbers. I'll give you a rough. They, it was worth around 300, they owed around 300. It was 296. So, and she was moving from Massachusetts to Washington, DC, had good credit, was not stressed, just didn't want this hanging thing in Massachusetts that she couldn't sell. And, and uh-huh. if you paid a realtor, she'd be in the hole. This is the case still, right? A lot of these properties. So we said, all right, uh, her name was Tanya. We said, Tanya, we'll do a long-term lease purchase. She said, how long? I said, I need at least nine years because I need time for the market to come back and your principal and your loan to come down while I'm paying it. Mm-hmm. So we put a tenant buyer in there. To this day, we have the home. We're about to put on the open market and sell it off because in a year or two, we have to cash her out. But we owe now not close to 300, but close to 180 something, whatever the number is. So there's well over $100,000 there. How come? Time, mm-hmm. principal pay down. So we can take that home and with, with, for all intents and purposes was over leveraged at the time because she couldn't sell it for what she owed. So that's one answer to say it doesn't really matter as long as I get my time. Yeah, interesting, interesting. You made me think of something. If you were to look at this from a, I guess, a, a market perspective, are you able to, to go in and do this pretty well anywhere? Are you able to acquire these properties pretty well anywhere? So, you know, you're, you know, you're in the, the Northeast. Could you go down to Florida and do this, the same type of process without actually having to be there? Does it, does it work yeah, like that or? You could. So I got two answers on that. Good question. I, y- yes, you could. Of course, people are more, when I say people, sellers are more 
open, lenient with the whole virtual. Let's mm-hmm. walk through your house on Zoom. Let's walk through your house on FaceTime. They're, yeah, they're already set up for that the second COVID happened, right? So that's kind of cool in a way. It's an advantage. Now, the, the reality is, though, I just hung up with some, some uh, gentleman in Phoenix, and he said him and his partner are big in another niche, and most niches are flocking to what we're doing. They're wholesalers. Mm-hmm. You know the word. Yep. So I said, and they said, well, can I, can I do it in other markets because wholesalers are used to that? I said, you could, just like I said to you, but why? I said, within a 50-mile radius of anyone I have in my community, there's plenty of business, plenty mm-hmm. of business. You can't get to it, I promise you, because you're not competing with the wholesalers, the flippers. The re- you're not. The, the sellers are just thrilled to hear from you because you're not lowballing their house like everyone else. Mm-hmm. So there's always enough within that, within your radius. But yes, you, you could do it if you want to. Interesting. And uh, do you actually have to work out some type of an agreement with the current bank note owner, whoever it is, where, you know, you're, you're actually making those principal payments directly to them or, or does that responsibility fall on the current seller to, you know, you, you pay them and then you have to worry about them actually going and paying their, their note. Yeah. uh, Neither a little combination of what you said. So if I do a, a lease purchase, which I call sandwich lease in Texas, you can't, it's the only thing you can't do out of everything we do. But if you're a seller, I'm the investor and I have a buyer who I'm going to put in the home as a rent to own, I'm going to pay your mortgage directly to your mortgage company. Okay. They don't care who they get a check from, whether they yeah. get it from you, your management company somewhere or me, it doesn't, as long as they get a check and it's paid on time. No, they don't care. Not at least purchase. They could kill us. Huh. Interesting. This is, I really like this. I, I've never heard of this before. And, and does this work in, in all 50 states? You mentioned Texas might not, might not work. Are there any other areas where it might not work? Well, in Texas, you can do subject to, and you can do owner financing, and you can do what we call, I don't want to get too complicated, but we do what we call an AO. Uh, we, we term that. It's called an assign out. So you do the same lease purchase. You find the same buyer, but you can't stay in the middle of that sandwich. Hey, it's Matt. If you've been listening to my podcast for a while, you know that I've been involved in the multifamily real estate realm for a while. It's something that I truly, truly enjoy, and I wanted you, my listeners, to be the first to know about something new coming out. We're calling it the MultiWiser Deal Room. It's a community of individuals just like you who want to get wise about multifamily real estate investing, developing, and even owning and managing your own complexes. You'll be able to network with people from all sections of the industry, from investors looking for deals, project managers looking for investors, real estate brokers, property management agencies, contractors, remodeling experts, finance gurus, you name it, we're going to have it in the network. I've been at this for a while, and I know it takes a community to make just one of these projects happen. And the MultiWiser Deal Room is my attempt to shorten your learning curve and get you plugged into leading experts fast who can help you close your own deals. We start off with a video glossary of over 150 commonly used terms to increase your understanding and help you get moving. Also included in the community are training videos to help you be successful, like how to put together a pitch deck, build a team, and so much more. We're going to have live interactive Zoom calls where you can ask your questions and learn from people who are actually out there in the industry doing it. For more information, go to multiwiser.com. Okay. You have to assign your buyer to the, to the, to the seller. So it's still good, but it's only one payday instead of three. Yeah. So we teach them to do the other two deals you can do in Texas. We have students there so they can pick up three paydays. Yep. So yeah, we have, um, oh, uh, Matt, right now, probably 85 
or so what we call associates doing deals around the country in different states that we mm-hmm. revenue share with and help them in the trenches do deals. So we can, like we were talking before the show, so we can bridge that gap. There's no better way than like doing it with them. Mm-hmm. And then they learn along the way. And after like 10 deals, they go, got it. They don't need us in every deal anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So can you talk a little bit about, you know, bridging the gap? What are some of the common pitfalls that people fall in reasons why they, you know, might not, get started or, you know, move faster. Yeah. Like, like you mentioned before, some people might do it in 45 days. Other people take a year, you know, any, any thoughts there as far as what some common pitfalls yeah. are? It's actually the people that first it's the people that call us, like we do free strategy calls. And, and at the end of the show, if one of us remembers, I'll give a link. I, I don't mind talking to people for free. I'll give you a call to help you understand how this might work for you or where you should go next. Mm-hmm. So we get these calls every week, my son-in-law and I, and they say, well, I know I see a program and you guys are a family and I kind of trust you, but I bought all these programs and I haven't done a deal yet. And it just, I, I don't understand why they could do that. So the program either works or it doesn't. And so we're on a mission to, you asked at the beginning of the show with my shirt, we're on a mission to bridge that gap, the time from when they do a deal to when they, sorry, from when they go through a course or a seminar to when they do a deal, because some people are stuck in there. I had two students that paid well in excess of a hundred thousand mm-hmm. on courses and programs before they met me. To the point where one of them, the wife was like, you are not doing another program. Now mm-hmm. we're great friends and he's done over a million dollars. So this is rampant. So once they're in the community though, to your question, we work heavily on kind of the mental, the mindset, the growth piece, because like if someone comes in and says, yep, I want to do a million dollars. I've had this regularly. And I say, okay, great. But first Matt, we got to get your brain space to where it can be that million dollar person because it, mm-hmm. it stops them. And as soon as they, if they'll stick around long enough with us, in my opinion, people should stay on anything for three years or they're wasting time. So if they'll do that commitment, they'll have a great experience, but anything short of that, I, you know, I can't manage it. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And are there any, I guess, prerequisites or, or types of people that this works best for, or, or I guess personal situations, you know, is there any, any type of, I don't want to say filter, but is there some type of a qualification there that, that you found people in this situation work best or, or can accomplish the most? This is neat because there's a few different ways to answer this. So in our community, we just did a, on our own podcast, we did what we call a family cast and we brought one of our higher level associates on. And my son-in-law said to her on the show, when we asked her why she's doing it, she said, I like helping people solve somewhat perceived as insurmountable problems especially with COVID going on, but she said this mm-hmm. about joining us a year and a half ago. So the common thread seems to be, and I'm, I'm very flattered by it. The common thread seems to be the associates. They truly want to help people that need it. And this was pre COVID. So now they're like really diving and helping people. So I like that about people. If they truly have mm-hmm. a, a, like, this isn't about, look, we're in business to make money, but I'm saying if they have an underlying, Hey, I, I also love helping people. Mm-hmm. That seems to be a thread. Then as far as skill sets, not really. Like if they have a big why, right? Like either like me, a really cruddy experience and I had to fix it fast or a big, big cause. Like I want to donate or I want to help my kids or I want to leave a legacy. If they have something like that and they're coachable, I just need those two things. Mm-hmm. Like there's a lot of other things we could talk about. Discipline, numbers, blah, blah, blah. But those things I said are the best, I think. Got it. Got it. That's That's fantastic. How how are you looking at the, I guess, the impending, I don't want to say impending, but 
say COVID comes back again, we have another resurgence and, and the country shuts down again and the recession gets worse. Mm-hmm. Do, are you, are you afraid of that? Or are you, I, I mean, obviously you said that you're thriving right now, or you, you thrived in this, this past one. Are there any sort of hedges that you feel the, your process has sort of automatically put in place to be able to protect people going through these life events? Yeah, because we, the reason, one of the reasons that I said we're cranking is because about a year before that, not COVID, but thinking the market's going to slow down anyway, we started pushing terms way up. The answer is longer terms. As I said earlier, always longer terms. Because look, if you and I own a, I don't care what we own, it could be a house, a building, my office building was bought on terms. And it doesn't matter what we own, if we have long enough terms, do we care about the speed bumps? Very little. As long as you have long enough terms, because you can look at the market historically, right? So no, this is built on purpose in 2012 to, to weather up, flat, and down markets. Now, it's also set up all our forms, all our agreements, all our checklists. They're set up to go back and renegotiate if you have to with the seller. That's, mm-hmm. that's like masterful the way that my attorney did that. And that's just evolved over time. It's not like he had this light bulb and said, ah, in case there's a problem. But over time, we're in the trenches. So we don't just produce a course and say, here it is. We, we go, oh, man, we just had a curveball. Let's learn from it. Let's adjust the agreement. Or let's mm-hmm. learn from it. Let's get the message up to the community. So it's important that we're in the community, uh, excuse me, in the trenches. Because imagine if we weren't. Yeah. And COVID hit, they'd be like, okay, your course is outdated. Thank you. See ya. So we're in it. And we know how to have, help them pivot. I love that. I love that. So, so basically, people who join your program have a eight, nine-year runway of learnings and and things that you guys have experienced over and of course sort of piling in your your previous experience as well but uh sort of refining this process over the last eight or nine ten years yeah because yeah, remember you said I, I forget how you asked it but i said the the mindset like the side of in business that's not skill sets the conversation mm-hmm. we had about that well if you look at business intelligence in general what is it really like it's it's been there done that experience it's that's experience, all it is exactly so you get all this, I call it new money, but the, like these people, I don't, I don't disparage with age. It came out of 08 and that's all they had is, is the experience after 08, no curveballs. Unfortunately, success is a crappy teacher. Mm-hmm. What's the best teacher is a couple couple economy changes in a couple of storms. Exactly. Now you've got something going on. So yeah, I think the, the intelligence slash been there, done that is very important in, in this market right now. Yeah, I love it. I love it. So if people wanted to learn more about your programs or, you know, things that you were offering, what would you say is the best way to reach out and find out a little bit more about that? I'm all about free. You know, you can get your hands on information now. So I'm, I get that. So if you want, we can give a free link to the bestseller book that we have mailed you and you, mm-hmm. your listeners just have to say that they heard you heard us on the show. We don't ship to everyone anymore because of COVID, but we'll give them uh, electronic. Secondly, if they don't mind listening to me babble for an hour after hearing this, they can just go to uh, smartrealestatecoach.com and go through the free webinar. My son-in-law and I do those very often, especially with COVID, what we were doing it before. And it's not going to teach you. You don't leave the hour, of course, and go, got it. I can go buy a house. But you can get to the next level of content to say, okay, I, that scratched an itch a little bit. I, I'm, I can get behind that. And then go learn more. And then our YouTube channel, uh, Matt, has, man, it's probably up to like 110 maybe higher deals that we do or our students do. And we whiteboard it. And I'm talking the problems too. Like we say, here's oh, what happened. Cool. Here's how we could have done it better. They're all on YouTube on the Smart Real Estate Coach. 
I love that. So, so how did how do you whiteboard those those deals? Are you like doing a Zoom call with whoever it is, you know, one of your students, and you walk right through the deal and and kind of work through it that way? Is that yeah? Is that... We either do it in office on a whiteboard with our media guy, or lately because we have so many students doing them, we go on Zoom, we tie the iPad to Zoom, we display mm-hmm. it, and it's a whiteboard on Zoom. It's like you and I are chatting, and we say, okay, how'd you get it? Would you, was there any weirdness about it? Like, what's the nuances? Now, what you buy for, what you sell for, and what's payday one, two, and three? I oh, love it. I love it. Yeah, this is really cool. And uh, out of curiosity, would this even work for someone who's even looking to buy for a house, a house for themselves too? You know, take that. That's funny. So my daughter Kayla and, and my son-in-law Zach, who I keep mentioning, they're now either going to choose to exercise their option and cash a house up that they tied up lease purchase overlooking the water that they couldn't have done at first because. Just like anyone else, he, he became self-employed working for me. So what's the bank need? A couple of years of seasoning. Mm-hmm. So he tied up that way. Now, fast forward, he's improved it, and the market's improved, and it overlooks the water. He's got a nice six-figure cash out if he wants to leave, or he can stay and get even more later. So absolutely, if you learn this to do nothing but your own home, then you have a win. I bought our office building in November of, let me think what we did here, November of 18th. And so we're coming up on two years. That was bought without a signature personally, without a bank whatsoever, owner financing with the seller, who, by the way, is very, very savvy and owns land all over the state. He banks land. He's very wealthy. And he didn't want to get cashed out. So we went and bought that way. What a hassle to go through a bank now, as you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, this is, the, this is like, you know, it covers all the bases, it sounds like. I love it. I love it. Is there, is there anything else that you can tell me that you think that the listeners should know that I haven't asked? A cool th- way to think about this, forget our niche for a second, because I'm not so naive to think, hey, it's the only, like you, you're in a different niche, all my guests are my, you know, we're all different niches and we all do fine. Here's my thought on it. Find a niche that you like, like listen, do research on your show, my show, just do, probe around, it's free. Once you find what you, you feel like you can get behind, like I said earlier, then number two, so just three steps. Number two, Find someone doing it currently. Mm-hmm. Like you're buying apartments currently. Okay, well, someone could probably learn from that. And so if they, so find someone that's current. Real estate changes too quickly to do anything else. Mm-hmm. And third, then put the blinders on for, in my opinion, as I said earlier, 36 months. And that's the thing where people go, okay, I can do that. And nine months in, they go, oh, this is hard. No, 36 months and you'll have a great experience. I promise you. You can create some, I'll, I'll be so bold as to say in the next nine months with what's going on the economy and how many people you can help if you do it right you can create a decade of income in the next nine months if you get after it mm-hmm. so that's wow. all that's my nugget no i love it i love it chris this has been fantastic you've uh, you've opened up my eyes to something that i had absolutely no idea about so so thank you for that all right yeah no this is this is great and and love to follow up with you sometime in the future and and uh see what new tweaks you've added to the uh to the mix there so happy to come back anytime yeah yeah good luck with with everything. This Thanks, buddy. Thanks for having me on. Thank you. Thanks for listening. And remember, pass the secret sauce.